Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. All right, lacrosse fans, you heard the man. It's time for Lax Class, presented by Extreme Threads right here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. What do we do here? Well, you know by now, we grow the game one podcast at a time. Jake Elliott, Evan Schemenauer, back with you here for another big episode. Episode number 23 so far. I can't believe it. Uh, episode 23, we're into week 18 of the National Lacrosse League. Well, no, we're not. We're past eight, week 18. We're going into week 19. Just two regular season weeks left of the National Lacrosse League season. Not sure where it's gone. Evan, uh, welcome back. Another big weekend of lacrosse in the rearview mirror and another one looking out through the windshield. Uh, this season has really just whipped by, but this last week, man, were there a lot of good games. And once again, does anything surprise you in this league? you got to expect surprises. We had one team absolutely collapse on Sunday. We had one team who seemed to be dead somehow find energy from I don't know where. And, uh, you know, uh, an extremely exciting week once again. Yeah, a bunch of one-goal games. Uh, we'll cover all that uh, in mere minutes here in Stampede Tax, who we had. Uh, I don't think things really got any better for yours, truly, in, in week 18. So uh, we'll recap uh, the big week that was. Um We've been having a bit of a discussion, Evan, uh, about face-offs lately. And uh, where, do, where do you come out on this? How important they are to a lacrosse game? We're, we're talking box lacrosse here. We know the importance of field lacrosse. I think we all can agree is a much greater importance in field lacrosse with uh, a longer possession and, and what have you. But in the game of box lacrosse in the in the pro league, let's look at the National Lacrosse League. How big of an emphasis do you put on faceoffs? Maybe I put one a little higher than most. And keep in mind, I learned to play field lacrosse before I play box lacrosse. Maybe that's why. You know, we saw a game on Sunday where one guy went thirty for thirty-four, and his team got pummeled. So is it everything? It isn't. But once. But the thing is, take the flip side of this. Trevor Baptiste, who is on the verge of setting the single-season record for most face-off wins, and that's the thing the naysayers point to is, but Philly's three and what three and fourteen at this stage. So how important is it? But it is important because Philly was down early in a lot of those games, and just because of Baptiste, it gave them that chance to get back in it. They could score, and they knew they were going to get the next possession. So they didn't need to worry about racing out to get goals right away because they knew they could get that goal, get the ball back, and every 30, 40 seconds they could get another goal. Maybe I put a little more importance on it than most, but I think it's vitally important. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that, and I, and I know it probably makes for a better podcast if we debate and, and argue that fact. But for me, like you, you mentioned Trevor Baptiste and him going crazy, 
Trevor Baptiste did his job. He came up with the possession. So to say that a faceoff is irrelevant because if you don't go down and score when you get that possession off the faceoff, well, then it becomes irrelevant that you won the faceoff. For me, I think you got to look at the offense. If it, it's, does that mean that the offense is irrelevant now because the faceoff guy did his job? He came up with possession for you, and then the offense didn't do its job. So it's not, you know what I mean? But the offense doesn't get out on the floor if you don't win the faceoff. So I, I really put a big importance on it, and, and especially late in games. I mean, situational stuff is is obviously going to come up. If you're up a goal late in the game and you want to protect that lead and, and you got possession coming out of the faceoff, then that's huge. Or if you're if you're down a goal and or two late in the game and you need possession after scoring to kind of keep momentum going, um, then, then face-offs become really big. And I, and I also think in the course of a game, when teams start to get on runs or try to stop runs, winning or losing a face-off has a big part to do with that. And, and if you're if you're getting scored on three, four goals in a row, and each time you go back to the small circle and you can't come up with possession, it makes it that much harder to stop the run. So, uh, a lot yeah, of lo- I, yeah, go ahead. I, I think back to you know the days of Jeff Snyder, right, and these Calgary Edmonton battles. I remember Edmonton down two goals, pulling the goaltender with three minutes left, and the reason for it is they knew that they scored. They weren't getting the next possession. Yeah. So it changes the whole concept of the game, having a guy that can do that kind of face-off production for you. Yeah, and and yes, Baptiste, you know, just smoked it in in the game on Sunday, but his team his teammates kind of let him down. Like I mean, I, like I don't put any of that on Baptiste, and and maybe in a situation like that, the faceoffs aren't as important as they normally would be. But uh, I still think they have a, a real important. And there was a good uh, good battle on uh, Friday nights. Or was it Friday? No, no, Saturday night in Saskatoon uh, between Baptiste and Thompson. That was almost fifty percent. It was. I mean, I enjoy watching the battle, the game within the game, uh, if you will, in the small circle. So, anyways, so uh, just wanted to kind of talk about that right off the top. Uh, we got a big show coming up, a little coaches edition here, if you will, for episode twenty-three. We'll have the head coach and the general manager of the defending champion Saskatchewan Rush, who had themselves a great weekend. We will talk to one Derek Jammer Keenan coming up here on the podcast in about 15 to 20 minutes from now. And then we will head off to the east. We'll go to Orangeville, Ontario. I think that's where Matt Sawyer may be. I think he actually might be up in the in the cottage in the country. So we'll have to check in. But Matt Sawyer from the Toronto Rock, the head coach of the Rock, will join us in about half an hour, 35 minutes or so here on Lacrosse Classified. But now, Evan, let's get into it here. Week 18, National Lacrosse League. You know the drill. It's who we had. It's presented by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, your complete source for boots, hats, belts, jeans, anything country. They ship Canada-wide, located in Cloverdale since 1967. That was even before I was born, Evan. Find them online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Okay, uh, how many games did we have? We had had six. Six big games. Four of them on Friday, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. Let's get into it here. First one on deck, and it was a dandy, from... 
The Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, Ontario. The New England Black Wolves taking on the Toronto Rock. Former Rock player Steph LeBlanc was good for the Black Wolves, and this was a back-and-forth affair, tight most of the way. Nice, well-balanced scoring attack from Adam Jones, Robbie Hellier, Tom Schreiber, and Danny Lintner. Decent night for Jay Thornbird in the face-off circles, speaking of face-off circles, but... Those Toronto Rock, Evan, they find a way to win these close games. Another one-goal victory. 13-12, Toronto. You pick them. I took New England. 13-12, your final. If you're into stats, you're going to love the stat line on this game. Toronto wins by one. Of course, you can't have a tie, so somebody's got to win it. Toronto outshoots New England 50-47, both at 23 missed shots. New England won the loose ball battle 78-77. And both teams were one for two in the power play. You can't get much more balanced than that. It's literally impossible. Yeah, a game of swings where one team would go up to, the other team would go on a run of three or four, get the lead back. Then the other team would go on it. And Toronto had a nice little lead there going early in the fourth. New England had a couple coming back and just couldn't get that last game. And how critical was that last last little stretch there. New England had a shot to catapult themselves up to third. They couldn't do it. Toronto still has a shot, actually, at second in a home playoff game. Tom Schreiber started to find his form. Finally, he got a couple goals, I believe four assists, and also a lot of emotion at the end of this game. You could tell how important it was when uh, Billy Ostrowser and how Anderson about that, started eh? to mix it up at the end. Well, and, yeah. Luckily... They didn't throw enough punches to get themselves suspended. That was the smart part. Yeah, well, I uh, yeah, smart. Uh, they they wanted to throw some punches, but how how about the way that ended with Billy Hostrauser with the ball, and he was just kind of trying to run out the clock a little bit, and guys were trying to stick check him and hit him and whatever, and he then kind of spotted Callum Crawford at the corner of his eye, and more or less ran right at him with the ball. <laughs> And make contact with Crawford, which drew the reaction of the Black Wolves. And, and you got to love Andrew Suter. I mean, those two guys are Orangeville boys and grew up uh, together playing with each other, I believe. And, and you know, Suter did not like uh, the way Hillstreiser went at Crawford at the end of the game and kind of danced around the pack looking, looking for him. They actually got tangled up and... They didn't get a great camera shot of it, but they locked up and then uh, they hit the turf pretty quickly and that kind of spelt the end of it. But um, I always find it crazy when something like that happens at the end of the game and the motions are running high and then 15 seconds later, you ask the teams to line up and shake hands. It's crazy to me that they do this in the regular yeah. season. Um, we don't want to get off on that tangent right now, but you're just you're just asking for it. Um, when, you're, when you're telling two teams of grown men that are um you know just coming off a real emotional game and then line up and shake hands and say good game to each other it's 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 crazy no um no i i've refereed many a hockey game where this is situations happen it's like go to the dressing yeah yeah and and, and i think like honestly they should make an exception in a situation like that where you just say you know what boys like you know, meet up in the lounge after the game. Let's let's hit the locker rooms here and cool off because um, it just it has the potential to get real stupid, and, and I've seen it happen before. Rochester was in Colorado. The Mammoth trying to clinch a playoff spot against the Nighthawks. 
another beauty of a game here, Evan. This one goes to overtime. A big comeback in the fourth by the Mammoth. Not enough. Austin Shanks returns. Benny has a nice one against his former club with 2-2. Two and two, But it's Kyle Jackson with the winner in overtime. 10-9, your final. And a controversial one. They reviewed this four minutes. And I, I thought he was, I thought Jackson was down. I guess the referees didn't quite see enough, and I don't blame them for the call that they made, but it was awfully, awfully tight. God is he disappointed in that effort by the Colorado offense. Definitely are not flourishing anymore. And, uh, you know, they needed this win to just get into the playoffs, focus on what they need to do in the postseason, and now they're still in the situation where they're not quite in. Yeah. Well, never they, mind. Not know. quite, Evan. They are not in, and and we'll cover the schedule here. But they got San Diego coming up this week. Vancouver's got to go across to Rochester, but uh, there's and still a chance for those the week after that. Yeah, there's. I mean, they got you San know? Diego and Saskatchewan. Vancouver's got <laughs> Rochester on the road, and then at home for Toronto, which will be a tough game. But uh, listen, but they play Eli like McLaughlin's the, a big concern. Yeah, gotta think. Yeah, right? so, like he he was gone and. If he's gone for any period of time, Colorado is done. Yeah. That offense is sputtering so bad, there's no chance without him in the lineup. No. So, I mean, Colorado could easily go 0-2, um, but so could Vancouver. And if that's the case, Colorado still gets in. And you're right. If Eli is done for a team that struggles to score goals, to t- I mean, and Eli was having such a great season, too. It's tough to to kind of see that happen to the kid because uh, he was playing so well. But Rochester gets it done in overtime on the road and foils the playoff dreams for another week here for the Colorado Mammoth. My only error of the week. Um, Okay, so I was just about to point that out, that I picked my Rochester Nighthawks to win that game, and uh, you took Colorado. So we were both 1-1 after two games. Then it was Georgia at... Calgary, and this might have been the game of the week here, Evan. This was fun to watch. Two really good teams just trading punches at the Saddle Dome in front of 11,000. Uh, Lyle Thompson was seven points. Zed Williams continues to impress with three and three. Uh, Dane Doby with eight points, and right now he's my MVP, Evan. We can talk about that later, but I think the biggest story coming out of this game was starting goaltender for Georgia, Mikey Poulin going down, and it was Oralman that had to finish the game, and he played well, but you wonder how far Georgia will go without their starting man. Uh, Oh, I should probably tell you the score. 14-13, Roughnecks beat the Swarm. I'm going to be surprised if Poulin makes it back. I mean, a groin injury like that is normally... I don't know you if know, it was growing, though. Recovery. I think uh, it was hamstring. Hamstring, I think. I mean, yeah, maybe probably it's the hamstring. But, I mean, even then, it's still a long recovery period. But you got to – if you watch the scene of him being lifted off and yeah. all yeah. the Calgary players coming, tapping him and whatnot, you can see just how much respect this guy's gotten late. Can Orleman pull this off? If you ask a guy like Steven Stamp, absolutely. He's been a big fan of Orleman for years. And we're going to get to see whether – Orlman can carry this team. You know, I took the Roughnecks in this one just because of the historical record, and I remember everybody picking the other direction, thinking, what are you doing? There's a reason for it, and you got to look at the history here. No, I, I don't disagree with you. When you look at the MVP this season, you've got to put Dane Dovey in that discussion. There's no question. Yeah, You know, he carried that team for a long time. 
And, you know, with no Westberg, he had to take a bigger workload, and he flourished in it. Um, you know, the win does keep Calgary's hopes alive of finishing first in the West. It's a very long shot, but, you know, and there's still a shot of them getting a home game. Uh, but the bigger concern is Georgia, who is one of the favorites, and now... What could happen? You you don't know with without uh, you know their stalwart back in net there. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. And and you're right. I think Dane Doby has encompassed everything that an MVP should do, and that's make everybody around him better. Carried the team when they were a little light in the roster up front, and has produced consistently every single week for the Roughnecks over a hundred points, one hundred seven for Doby heading into this week's action in the top of the scoring race. And that like this guy's not a spring chicken like he <laughs> it's pretty impressive what he's done this season and a career as a whole but especially this year for Dean Doby um he's got my vote vote right now that's for sure unless something real crazy happens in the last couple of weeks uh, I think Doby's my guy when it comes to voting we got to move along so another one goal game that's three in a row uh, one goal contest here that would change however as we move down to Pechanga Arena in sunny San Diego, Saskatchewan at the Seals. And this one was a big one, Evan. Kind of gave the the winning team an inside track uh, to home floor throughout the Western Division in the playoffs. Uh, would decide the season series. No Austin Stotts in this one. Adam Shoot gets to start once again for the rush. And it was really 3-2 three, three, at halftime here in this game. Uh, but a 7-2 third quarter from the defending champs as they pull away 14-8, your final, and that's a big win for Saskatchewan on the front half of a back-to-back. Actually, if you checked your phone in the last few minutes, uh, the news that's coming out, and it's not official yet, Austin Stotts has an ACL injury. He is done for the year. Yeah, so. uh, yikes. I, I, I fear that was the worst. And just so you know, when we're working here, Evan, I am completely focused on the task at hand. I'm not searching <laughs> through my phone while we're recording Lacrosse Classified here. So. When, when a message like that pops across the top of your phone, because i got to look at my phone anyways. I'm talking to you on that way. It's like, oh, boy. So, yeah, yeah. anyways, this game was 3-2 at the half, and the rush offense was sputtering. San Diego couldn't get anything going. I mean, Kyle Buchanan was out there, but he wasn't himself. He wasn't his normal self. Garrett Billings was out there. He wasn't as fast as he used to be. Dan Dawson, that was something else to watch Dan Dawson in this game. The the guy was like literally schooling schooling some of the rush defenders out there. Only problem was nobody else was getting open for him to, to dish the ball off to and, you know, get easy goals uh you know the rush had a seven goal run late in the second throughout the third literally that was it the score line's a little more nice to san diego at the end of the game because they went out, got a few late ones but ben mcintosh what a weekend six and six goals in this game five in the one on saturday yeah <laughs> you know absolutely amazing Kyle Rubish, Mike Messenger, both big games. And I'll say this right now. I had Steve Friolo as my defender of the year midseason. Mm. I don't anymore. I got him third now because these two are head-to-head tops. I've got Rubish slightly ahead of Messenger, but not by much. And you can't say enough about Adam Shoot. You know, this guy hardly had any experience at all. He gets thrown into the situation. 
And man, has he taken advantage of it. And you think about it, you know, after the game Saturday night, some people were asking, or Friday night, sorry, they were asking the question, when Kirk comes back, does he get his draw back? And the answer, I think, is yes, he does. But there's going to be an awfully short leash the way shoot is playing right now. Now, this win, combined with the other result on Saturday, the rush now have an 88% chance of finishing first. The way the tie breaks and everything work is going to be awfully difficult for the rush not to win the West. Okay, well, we will we'll get at the end of the podcast, we're going to kind of go through the playoffs uh, scenarios here heading into week 19. So stay tuned for that. Uh, so those were the four Friday games, and I brought my laptop, my iPad, I had my phone going, I had multiple devices in the hotel room kind of set up, bouncing back and forth between all the games. And it was it was awesome, man. Like, it was a great night of lacrosse. Um, so Saturday night was Fan Appreciation Night at Sastel Center. Over 14,000 there uh, to watch their rush play. As uh, the Philadelphia Wings come to town, well, they were waiting there for Saskatchewan, who did not get to Saskatoon until about three hours before game time. They went straight to the arena from the airport um, and he just wondered how much gas was going to be in the tank for this one after a tough day of travel. Their plane actually got delayed as well. Um, Adam Schutz starts again, uh, and this one was back and forth, back and forth. Matt Rambo had five goals in this game, eight points. Uh, Crowley had an eight-point night for the Wings. They look good for 45 minutes, Evan, but same old story here for Philadelphia. I I don't like and I thought okay is this is this the night here for the Wings they got a tired rush team they were up two after the third quarter had them on the ropes seven nothing fourth quarter here for Saskatchewan and they just stomped on the throat here of the Wings sixteen eleven your final as they go away winning Evan I I don't care who who your opponent is to do that in the fourth quarter for the rush after the the night before the travel day being down two going into the third quarter they, and then seven nothing that was impressive no it was their biggest character win of the season by a long shot and yeah this travel schedule was nuts they were on a plane at 6 30 in the morning out of san diego to catch a connection in phoenix to try and get up to saskatchewan and the schedule makers got to fix that for next year but let's get to the game itself yeah, 11-9. If you look at the first goal that Mark Matthews scores in the fourth quarter, watch the replay of that one if you can. He literally is out of gas. He throws it on net just hoping something's going to happen. It trickles past Buckham. And if you watch every player at that, you know, celebrating that goal, it's like a really slow stroll over to him, a little tap, and like there is nothing in the tank. And for Philly to give up seven to a team that's got nothing in the tank, like there's got to be not only this mental issue of them, you know, trying or blowing leads and they just got it a suck in their heads, but it's also got to be a fitness problem. You know, there is no way you should be getting outrun by a team that is this dead tired. And they did, uh, you know, Saskatchewan, they took the momentum, they took the momentum of the crowd and they brought it to victory, a big win for them. Once again, Adam shoots, you know, yeah, he allowed 11 goals, but he was 42 of 53. 80% from a goaltender that's on his second game in two days plus a crazy travel schedule. 
that is one absolutely amazing, amazing performance once again from him. Yeah, maybe the loudest I've heard Rush Nation. I haven't been there for a playoff game yet, um, but they were whipping it up pretty good. And, and you're right, Adam Shute was impressed. And, and for me, like going into this weekend – Adam Shute's going to get the start again here against the Roughnecks. I firmly believe that they're going to take. There's no reason to really rush Kirk back, uh, to be quite frank. I mean, even if he's ready this week, I think you say, "Okay, we'll activate you on the roster," but but Adam Shute's going to start. And if they if they beat Calgary, then I think you go with Evan Kirk. And if you lose to Calgary, then I think you go with Evan Kirk. You know what I'm saying here? Like, uh, you start Adam Shute in, in Calgary. Evan Kirk's already played him twice this year. Calgary hasn't seen Adam Shute play before, uh, except for on video. Um, so I think that's a bit of an advantage there. And then, and then either way, if you win, okay, we've clinched home floor through the playoffs. We can go with Evan Kirk. And then if Evan Kirk plays well against the Mammoth, um, you ride Kirk. And if he doesn't, come in and you know if you lose a game and you got to play Evan Kirk against the Mammoth try and turn it around um, and he doesn't play well then you come back with Adam Shute to start the playoffs it's a nice problem to have for Derek Keenan uh, heading down the stretch here and I don't think anybody saw it coming from Adam Shute except maybe Derek Keenan uh, Jeremy Thompson just under 50% against Trevor Baptiste I'm not sure anybody has done that well against Baptiste all season long except for maybe Jake Withers one more game to go before we get to the aforementioned Derek Keenan here, Evan Schemenauer, on who we had. Uh, and then we'll recap the entire standings, who did what on the week that was. Philadelphia into Vancouver. This is an afternoon game, so not an easy schedule for the Wings either. And coming off that tough loss against Saskatchewan where they probably felt like they had it and then let it get away from them. They take on the Warriors, and the Warriors kind of sitting there. They had a week off. Their playoff hopes were still alive after the loss from uh, Colorado against Rochester. So you knew they were going to be motivated, and I don't think Philly got the memo on what time this game started at. It was like 10-2 in a hurry. Philadelphia has not got a win on the road. They have not beat a team from the West. They have not won when trailing at halftime Keegan Ball has put up the most points in a single game this season uh 14 for Keegan Ball for the Warriors here as they put up a 19 spot on the wings and win by 7 19 12 your final in what was a bit of a concerning crowd in Vancouver on a Sunday afternoon yeah they claim 5200 and I don't think anybody's buying that that maybe 2,000 in the building. It was really bad. But it was also the worst game of the year to watch. I have to say that, you know. And, and a, Sunday after, a Sunday afternoon in Vancouver on a sunny day, that's a, that's a, tough, that's a tough pull inside to, to go watch a lacrosse game that has really no meaning. And the thing about it was, Philly, I, they must have been still had it in their heads as to what happened in the fourth in Saskatchewan because the last three quarters – they played the game relatively even, but it was 9-1 at the end of the first. It was over with in a hurry, and they already had two goaltending changes by the time the first quarter was done. It was it was sad. And to think Trevor Baptiste went 30 for 34, so possessions were an issue. They got 73 shots on goal. That wasn't the issue. Aaron Bull played fabulous. Yeah, he did. But this score, this score line is actually flattering because Philly scored eight of the 11, last 11 goals when the game was long over. You know, so, yeah, you got to look at uh, K- 
Keegan Ball's performance. Uh, 14 was just three shy of the all-time league record. And, you know, Paul Day, <laughs> poor Paul Day had to do the interviews, I think it was at the end of the first or early in the second quarter, there was BR. And his, his, that his was a tough one. That was, was a about tough as good as it was going to be. It's like yeah. the offense wasn't good, the defense was good, the goaltending wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing was good for yeah. Billy. Yeah. Shout out to Chantel Chan for for <laughs> for getting through that one because uh, I mean, and understandably so. Coach Day was was not happy with his team's performance, and you know probably wasn't too happy with his own performance either. Um, one performance I wasn't particularly happy was the Philadelphia Wings Twitter account. Evan, um, there you know, Brandon Astle. Guys make mistakes. He called uh, Philadelphia, Colorado one time. I think they mentioned Gawai Abrams um, as David DeRuscio one time as well. And the Philly Twitter account started taking pot shots at, at Brad, and you know who is uh, a former partner and a good friend of mine. And and it and I saw you tweet back at him like, you know, maybe you should get your own game notes in order before you start chirping other people. Uh, I was doing preparation yeah. before the rush game, and they and they literally had three names on their own roster, these are their own players listed with the wrong phonetic pronunciation. So, like, if I didn't know it was Kyle Matisse and I had just read his game notes, that was the first time I've ever seen Philadelphia, I would have been calling him Kyle Matisse all night. Like, so if you're going to, you know, start uh, chucking darts at people, maybe get your, your own house in order uh, before you start doing that. And, and I understand it's been yeah. a tough year for Philadelphia and, and there's probably a little saltiness there, but, uh, you know, you're getting pumped nine to one after the first quarter and you're, you're chirping the opposing broadcast team. I, I didn't really understand it and I didn't like it too much. So I just wanted to have a, a quick say about no. that. I, I was more than happy to defend Brad on that one. It was, yeah. It was like I, I was just hoping he would say Matisse just because of yeah, the game right. notes. Well, and, and I mean, people in the South Cell Center because Mikhail Matisse scored, had quite a few points in the start of the game, and uh, the in-home announcer Mike McGuire is saying Matisse, and they're all like, "Is he screwing this up?" I'm like, yeah, actually, no. It's it's not his he's, fault. He's, re- this one. he's reading the game notes, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So I mean, and you know, now that you've actually done it, Evan, when you're on live radio or live TV, you're going to make mistakes. It's not, <laughs> it is not an easy job and it's pretty easy to kind of sit back and, and criticize people when you've never done the job and until you've done it, uh, I don't think you have the right to do it. And, and if you have, then then maybe you can have some feedback on the situation. But uh, yeah, just maybe stay in your lane uh, in the future as far as that goes. Uh, we got to get the break here, Evan. That was a good opening segment. Uh, but before we do... What did you go that week? What did I go that week? And and how bad is it now after week eighteen? <laughs> I went five and one, so I'm sixty one twenty nine. That's uh, impressive. Went... I got to give it up to you for that, man. That like that's a nice number right there. Like, good job. And you went four and two, so you're fifty four and thirty six. So I'm up seven, and there's only nine games left. So you're literally going to have to pick everybody. I don't. I think that's your only option. Yeah, right I, I don't. Uh, I don't see myself coming. I mean, I could, but then it's going to affect my overall record. But does that really matter? I don't know. Like, I kind of feel like this is my first year going on record with my picks. I want to have a decent record at the end of it. So I may just. I, I kind of thinking back, Evan, that. I've done way better when I've made my pick first and not reacted to what your pick was uh, when it, when we were kind of trading back and forth. I was doing way better, and now I've kind of let you get in my head and kind of slant the way 
I'm picking my picks here. So I, I think this week, I don't care who you pick. I kind of wrote down who I'm going to pick. And I think uh, for the final two weeks here, I'm just going to pick who I think is going to win. And if I come up short uh, and got to put uh, some, some chaps on along with a, a big yeah. belt buckle, so be it. So you want me to host gate week one of the playoffs is what you're saying? Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe I do. Maybe I do. We we shall discuss. Uh, but we'll do that at a later time because now we got to get to break. we got the head coach and the general manager of the Saskatchewan Rush coming up next. It's Derek Keenan right here on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vital Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is Andrew Suter of the New England Blackwolves. You're listening to the Cross Classified on Lax All Stars Podcast Network. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse All Stars Podcast Network, growing the game one podcast at a time. Pure Vital Labs helping us do that here on Lacrosse Classified. Uh, find them at pvl.com or their social media. They're big on the Instagram at Pure Vital Labs. And they also be on Sportsman like all natural supplements there from our friends at Pure Vital Labs and lots of athletes in the National Lacrosse League. On those supplements, I suggest you check them out. Do it at pvl.com. Now joining the podcast, uh, it's back in Ontario, is the head coach and general manager of the Saskatchewan Rush. It's Derek Keenan. Jammer, thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. My pleasure. Our pleasure. Uh, speaking of pleasure, you must have experienced a bit of that uh, over this past weekend. Nice to go 2-0. and Why don't we start with San Diego? A uh, real important game uh, down there on Friday night, and, and always with a doubleheader, Derek, I guess it's important to focus on the task at hand and not look ahead. You guys did a nice job of that uh, getting past the Seals. Yeah, that's that's always the plan on those weekends. You don't even discuss anything about game two. You focus in on on the first one, and uh, I thought we were really well prepared for that game. We had a little bit of trouble scoring in the first half, but I thought defensively we were solid for the entire night, and and then our offense got going in the second half, and uh, it was a big win for us. You know, big win, big win in the standings, big win, and it, it was a, it was a season series tiebreaker, and that's always important. So um, it was a real good start to a tough weekend. Talking about game two of the weekend, start of the fourth quarter, it looked like that team was out of gas, and I we were talking about this earlier. Mark Matthews' first goal in the fourth quarter. He has nothing left. He throws it on net, happens to squeak by, and you know, even all the boys, they were not celebrating. It didn't seem like as much. You've got to be very impressed that these guys somehow found a reserve somewhere in them that fourth quarter to pull that mm-hmm. seven nothing quarter out of them. Yeah, it, it looked to me like maybe the last five minutes of the third quarter, we were getting, we were tired, and I thought especially on the offensive end. Um, yeah, we were kind of standing around a little bit and, and not really doing a lot. And then, uh, somehow, you know what, that's, they just dug deep and, and our energy level in the fourth was incredible. And, you know, it's just a real credit to the guys for sucking it up and, and understanding the importance of the game because 
you know, if we had lost that once Friday night, certainly wasn't, wouldn't meant as much. So it was important that they did that. And I was certainly proud of them because it was not easy circumstances. Our, our travel day Saturday was brutal. And, uh, but, uh, they, they came through in the end and we had a real strong fourth quarter, really a strong game overall and in difficult circumstances. But, um, you know, we, we just seemed to pick up our energy level in the fourth and came away with a big win. It sure was. As we speak with head coach and general manager, Derek Keenan, and, and you mentioned the defense, Jabber, and, and, you know, it was a, it was a topic earlier in the season, both guys kind of not being on the same page, maybe not knowing their roles properly and, and missing mm-hmm. assignments that has, has really seemed to, to dissipate. And, and I, I don't know exactly how to put my finger on it. Is it just a matter of guys like Jordy Jones and Travis Cornwall and, and Scotty Campbell, just being more familiar with the system and the guys around them that it's almost become second nature instead of having to think they're just reacting now. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's been, I mean, you know, a few, few new bodies back there and, um, you know, a little bit of unfamiliarity early on and, and a lot of hesitation and um, some mistakes that we kind of continually made for a while there. But we, we knew from the beginning of the season that the defense is going to be a work in progress, but I'm really happy with the way they've come along. I think Scott Campbell's made a huge difference for us. Um, you know, veteran guy, smart. Um, you know, physical, he, he's been really good. And, and the other guys you mentioned have steadily improved. I think, you know, I think Travis has been really good the last four or five games. And, uh, you know, Jordy's been pretty solid all year. So just a little bit of that, you know, understanding things and, and being able to react and, um, you know, just a lot more confident, I think, in, in, in each other and themselves than we were earlier. And, uh, you know, it's it's been good to see, and and maybe some guys that you you didn't mention in there, and and uh, I was kind of in the room with you after the game, and and Kyle Rubish came in, and you're like, you're back, eh, Rubes? Like you're back, and <laughs> and I had to chuckle because it, I mean, it, he is back, and but the, so I mean, Kyle Rubish, we we can talk about, and I I know a lot of people know about Kyle Rubish, no question about it, but for me, the the other two guys that have really kind of stood out on your back end this season, Derek, is 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 Hasek and Messenger. I mean, these guys mm-hmm. um, with the departure of Cornwall and Dilks have really taken their game to another level. Mike Messenger mm-hmm. in particular, like he is off the charts good right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned the Rubish thing because it's kind of a bit of an internal joke with the guys. <laughs> oh, okay. He really hasn't gone anywhere. Okay, you know? okay. He's been the best in the business for a long time. And I think, you know, so that it's kind of a, a funny thing we started about a month ago but anyway uh yeah i mean mess has been on i mean physical really good in transition you know he's improved that part of his game making better decisions you know as much as he scored a few big goals i think the biggest thing about mess is he's been smart enough this year to pull the ball out at the right time and um and of course his physicality on the defensive end he's a force and uh um you know he's been really good and hostic as well i mean two guys just continue to prove came in the same year um, you know, been a real big, big, big assets for us this year and, and having to take on uh, bigger roles now with the guys we've lost and, and that. So, and they've certainly handled it well and, um, and certainly embraced the challenge and continue to get better. I think every week. And, and the other story, of course, of the rush right now is the play of Adam shoot. I mean, Buffalo game, 
Evan Kirk goes down. Nothing, coach's worst nightmare. Your starter's going down. You got a relatively inexperienced backup coming in. You've got to be massively impressed that he's been able to hold the fort as well as he has. Mm-hmm. He's been great. Yeah, I mean, that, that's why we, we kept him. I mean, I just, you know, we loved our, our, our previous backup, Tyler Carlson, and um, great team guy. And that, you know, I just felt that if something like were this were to occur, we'd have we'd have confidence in Adam Shute that he could get the job done. And he's been really good. Um, you know, the guys are pretty confident in him, and he seems to be getting better even week to week the more he plays. So um, he's, he's been excellent. He's given us an opportunity to win. And uh, he's another guy I thought on on Saturday started to run out of gas a little bit, but then in the fourth quarter was outstanding. So credit to him as well for kind of sucking it up and understanding the importance of the moment. But no, no question, he's been quite good. Speaking with Derek Keenan, a couple more minutes here with you, Jammer. And you mentioned Kirk going down, and, and that was – something this team has never really had to deal with and and not mm-hmm. only not only a goalie going down but really from the start of the year with with some adversity losing some players having some injuries now Evan Kirk going down this team has not really had to face that kind of adversity at least since not maybe moving to Saskatchewan mm. i think sometimes the regular season when you're winning <laughs> championships become, becomes a little bit mundane i do you think this can actually turn out to be a good thing for this team having to deal with a bit of a roller coaster year and some key injuries to kind of battle through it and, and come together as a team a bit? I, I think we played better since it happened. I, I really do. I think it was, uh, I think there was a pretty clear understanding. I think the entire team, our offense or defense or transition game just was not really the way it's been in the past. And, um, I wouldn't say that it's because uh, winning becomes mundane. It's just that you was know, probably the wrong word. Just, probably the wrong just, word. Just, uh, just uh, you know, just you know, some circumstances, and you know, probably a good number of guys really not playing up to capability, and and I think that injury kind of really um, it woke us up a little bit. I think, and uh, and I think since then we've as a as a whole group we've played way better than we were earlier in the year. So if that's what it took, then so be it. But uh, and I, I'm not even sure that's was sort of the trigger point, but certainly it seems that since Kirky got hurt, we've played a lot better as a team in all areas. A lot of guys will tell me that you are the greatest general manager of all time. And maybe you don't uh, quite see it that way, but when you look at the number of draft picks that you've amassed, and I, you're going to have three, maybe four first-rounders this year, which gives you a lot of flexibility. But the one I go back to is, if you go back to the Brody-Merrill trade, and then you go and trade all these pieces away, it's amazing to look at the list of players that you got out of this. Mark Matthews, Robert Church, Ben McIntosh, Connor Robinson, Chris Corbeil, Jeremy Thompson, Nick Beelich, Marty Dinsdale, Nick Finley, not to count Zach Greer, Jared Davis, Tyler Carlton for a time, and you still have two draft picks out of this. Do GMs have any reluctance to call you anymore? <laughs> I can't keep a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No, you know what? That's just a lot of it. Honestly, that's just pure luck. Like, like you know what? That was a, a major move by a, a team you know, in my third year, who when we first came in, we kind of really blew things up, but we tried to win right away, you know, which we were pretty good in 2010 in Edmonton. 
you know, we kind of turned the franchise around, made the fran- made the playoffs for the first time, but then we took a big step backwards and we didn't really have a lot of assets. I mean, the only way to get them was to trade our best player. And it was really, really hard to do. Um, but in the long run, it was, it was the, the right thing to do and the best thing to do for the team going forward. And as it turns out for many years to come. So, but it, it was, you know, there was certainly no, 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 uh, crystal ball there as to the, it would turn into all of that, but, uh, it's obviously worked out well and with some luck too, like, you know, like, honestly, like we ended up with some first overall picks that you just wouldn't normally get. It just, just, uh, you know, you, you do a deal with a team, like, like even the Corey small trade really, really hard to do. And we get two first rounders and, you know, it just so happens one of the years Vancouver finishes last and, you know, we, we got another first time going forward to this year, but you know, that's just luck too. Like it's not anything to do with being any friggin' genius. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'll take uh, some of that luck anytime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, one thing I do still have to get you going someday is I know you're a fisherman in Saskatchewan. You know, you mm-hmm. Saskatchewan some fine lakes. There's one lake about 90 kilometers east of Saskatoon. I have to take you to sometime. But here's the question: is the question I ask of all the players on the rush so far this year? What's the one thing about Saskatoon that has surprised you the most since the move? Without question, the fan support. Like that's you know that's the easy. It's a pretty easy answer because you know, and, and I'm sure. You know, Bruce and, and Al Riz and everybody that made the decision to do the move, you know, it was a bit of a roll of the dice. I mean, obviously, we were bringing a good team, which really helped, but I don't know for sure if anybody knew we were going to get that kind of support. So, you know, I mean, we were leaving a bit of a tougher situation in Edmonton because of the arena deal and wasn't a great relationship with the city or the arena manager. So, and, we're, and we came into a great situation, like a you know, a really, a really fair arena deal. And then the support just kind of came like, again, fortunate, you know, you bring a pretty good team um, and, and win a championship the first year is a little bit of a storybook, but um, that's been without question. The fan support's just, just been incredible. Fair enough, Derek. Uh, hey, listen, I'm sure you got like a, a squash game or a racquetball or uh, maybe like, Tybo or something you got to get to. Uh, so uh, I'm actually watching. I'm actually watching game. So there you go. Okay, what's the score? What's the score? Yeah. Uh, it's Calgary's up by one right now. All right, so we're, we're gonna have to play a lot better defense than Georgia did against them, from what I see. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so, that's mm-hmm. that's true. I will. Uh, I will see you in Calgary, man. All right, you bet. Sounds All right. good. All right, that was Derek Keenan. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That was uh, head coach, general manager of the Saskatchewan Rush, Derek Keenan. We didn't really get a chance to, to get into the Calgary game, but uh, that's going to be uh, one to watch this week. That's for sure, Evan. Saskatchewan and Calgary, anytime those two teams hook up, it's always a dandy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's the biggest rivalry potentially in the entire league, and right now, Saskatchewan can lock up first place in the West with the win. Calgary can keep their hopes alive for a home playoff game with the win. And you're going to have, what, three busloads of Rush fans making the trip down. But there's going to be, on top of the other people that go on their own, there's going to be probably 1,000 or more Rush fans in the building. So it's going to be a loud Rush atmosphere in the crowd as well. Yeah, and uh, we didn't even mention it uh, when we talked about Georgia and Calgary. Jesse King, the natural 
making his return debut for the Roughnecks, uh, but the return to the National Lacrosse League. And and the last time that Calgary was in Saskatchewan, I was talking with Mike Board at the airport, and I just said, you know, like, how's Jesse doing? Because I, I really love to watch Jesse King play lacrosse. And he goes, oh, you know, he's coming along. He's ahead of schedule. He may be ready for the end of the year. And I kind of thought that was lip service. Like, yeah, right, he's going to be ready for the But <laughs> there he was and uh, had a big hit against Krepensek and uh, played pretty well for, for a guy that had been off and hasn't played a game this year. So that's an extra dynamic Saskatchewan defense we'll have to deal with coming on Saturday night. Uh, that was a good conversation. Always is with Derek Keenan. Gives it to you straight, and I'm sure this next guest of ours will do the same. It's the head coach of the Toronto Rock, Matt Sawyer, next here on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Garrett Billings of the San Diego Seals and the Langley Thunder. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Last All-Stars, throwing the game one podcast at a time. All right, welcome back to Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified. Big thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging, one of our fabulous sponsors here on Lax Class. They create first impressions, and they're darn good at doing that. Find them at associated-labels.com or at Associated LP, as in labels and packaging. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar are with you here on Lacrosse Classified. Great chat there with one Derek Keenan. But now we will talk to another head coach in the National Lacrosse League. A bit of a coach's show here this week. It is the head bench boss of the Toronto Rockets, Matt Sawyer, joining us here on the program. Matty, I think this might be a first. Thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I think uh, I think it is uh, my first time on uh, I'm with you and Evan. Um, yeah. We've talked to you a lot over the years, but first time on the podcast. Yeah, I'm trying to think back. I think when we kind of got formally introduced, it was through our, our mutual buddy, Josh Sanderson, who is also another coach in the National Cross League. But I think it was back in, I want to say, 2010 in Coquitlam at the Minto Cup as you brought your Orangeville Northman uh, West for the Minto. That was like nine years ago, man. Yeah, time flies, eh? Yeah. That, um yeah, this, uh, I ran into you then, and we did, uh, you know, if you want to go back further, we competed against each other at one time, didn't oh. we cup as well? But, yes, uh, so well, I'll bring 95, up my... 95, we're showing our age now. So, well, um, I wanted to bring up a bit of a dagger for you, because you guys didn't win that <laughs> Minto Cup. Uh, but, but yes, uh, yeah, I got to uh, reunite a little bit in... Uh, in 20, uh, 2010 there. Yeah, you got the you got the best of me back uh, in the 90s, and then my ad next got the best of you in 2010. Um, well, why don't, we, why don't we start there, Matt? Sorry, like uh, Terry Sanderson, kind of your mentor, if, if that's um, something I can say, and I think I'm pretty comfortable in saying that. You kind of were his protege coming up. Um, what was what was the experience like there in Orangeville, becoming the head coach and, and kind of starting to cut your teeth as, as a bench boss? Well, yes, and, and, and you mentioned uh, uh, Terry, and, and uh, you know, obviously somebody that uh, that I was around uh, a lot growing up, and, and really just um, not until um, my junior playing days um, did, uh, did I get an opportunity to be uh, uh, coached uh, coached by T and um, have a uh, firsthand experience there, and certainly had my eyes open to uh, 
um, you know, to what a coach is all about, but also, uh, you know, what a lacrosse player need to be all about. So, um, you know, it was a, a great experience there and, and uh, learned a lot from him. And then he gave me an opportunity to uh, to get in the NLL back in, uh, um, and I may have my years wrong here, but it was the first year with the Montreal Express, I believe 2002. And, um, you know, I was just fresh out of playing in junior and, and got an opportunity there. Uh, to coach with uh, with Terry and Lindsay and and later on John Lovell and um, you know learned a lot from uh, from all of them. So um, you know shortly after that I got uh, got the opportunity to coach in Orangeville, um, you know somewhere where I uh, I grew up and and uh, organization that I played five years of junior for. So um, I guess that was my uh, first opportunity to uh, to be a head coach and um, kind of uh, start growing uh, you know growing myself as a head coach and. And um, I remember when I got that opportunity, the first guy I called was uh, was Bruce Codd. Asked him if he uh, wanted to help me out. So um, you know, kind of come full circle uh, with Bruce uh, helping me on the uh, on the bench in Toronto. A big win for you Friday night against the Black Wolves. You guys are the kings of these one goal victories this year. But obviously, not only is it uh, help you push to get a home playoff game, but more importantly, probably is going to help you build momentum uh, going to the playoffs. Yeah, um, you know, uh, we've had a bunch of them, uh, Evan, and uh, I, I think it's uh, I think it's eight of them. And uh, we lost the first one, which was the uh, uh, second game of the season against Georgia at home and an overtime game. But, uh, you know, you're, uh, how do I put it, you're always striving to, uh, you know, to uh, be a little bit better and, and uh, maybe give yourself a little more separation. And, and I've said this before here uh, this week, uh, about our team, um, you know, but the reality is that uh, this league, um, a lot of it comes down to one and two goal games, and especially when you get towards the end and, and all the best teams are playing. So, um, you know, we're we're hoping that that experience, uh, um, you know, is going to pay off because that's likely going to be the reality in, in the playoffs. Now, um, would we have liked to have won a few more of them by five or six goals? For sure. But, uh, you know, maybe that's not what we are, and, and maybe we are a team that just uh, – um, needs to play our game and and be confident in our game and and uh, against whoever we play, um, you know, have the uh, the hope that you're going to come out on top. Well, and the more times that you do come out on top and you get that winning goal and you win by one goal, the confidence and the belief that you can do it again and again just continues to grow because you've been through it, you've done it, you've had the success, and and then you just start to believe. And and once you get that belief in you, that can take you a long way. As we speak with the head coach of the Toronto Rock, Matt Sawyer, and and, and the team there in Toronto, Matt, has, has changed quite a bit uh, in the last two, three, even four years from an older, veteran-leading team to a very young, quick, athletic uh, team. And you know, you don't have to look any further than your captain and Challen Rogers, who is just mind-blowingly good. Um, every time I watch him play, probably wasn't the toughest decision to put the C on Challen at such a young age of such a storied franchise. But just talk about that dynamic, Matt, and, and the decision process to to make Challen Rogers your captain. Well, um, you know, you, you mentioned about uh, the type of player Challen is, and. And how fortunate were we to uh, to be able to draft him uh, um, second overall in, in in the entry draft? And um, you know, you, you mentioned we don't have a um, you know an, an overly old team. We're uh, we're younger, kind of uh, top to bottom. And um, you know, we had a lot of good candidates who you could have uh, 
put the C on, and, and I don't think anybody would have questioned it. We just uh, we just felt that Challen One was overly deserving of it. Um, you know, he's somebody that uh, he's a quiet leader, and he goes about his business um, on and off the floor, and he, and he prepares himself for the season or or for the uh, each and every game, be it that week. And um, you know, he was just really deserving of it, and and he's somebody that uh, uh, we felt the timing was right. You know, with the makeup of our team. And, um, you know, just the direction we're going, the fact that he's totally committed himself to the Toronto Rock, he's relocated, um, you know, he's a, a great presence for the organization in and around Toronto and, and Oakville as well. And, um, you know, you put that all together and, and really in the end it was a no-brainer for me. You had a game this week where you, you had a overlying story, of course, with what happened the prior time you met with New England. Was was there any talks or anything of the players as to you got to focus on this game rather than the guy that caused the incident last time that you two played? Yeah, to be to be uh, honest, um, no, like we didn't. We didn't address it with the team um, overall. Uh, it's just uh, you know it was a big game, right, and uh, um, one that uh, both teams uh, both teams wanted. And, and if you're looking for a retribution, it. Uh, um, you know, that wasn't the night. And, uh, you know, it's something that uh, when the incident happened and, and you're going back five or six weeks ago that, you know, I had some conversations with Brad uh, shortly thereafter. But, um, yeah, to, like I said, to be honest, it's not uh, not something that we address going into that particular t- uh, game. It's just, um, you know, every game is so important. And, and it's, a, uh, it's not really a, a league where you can take that into your own hands either. And, um you know, you got to be careful about suspensions. You got to be careful about uh, putting your own team in the hole. So um, that uh, that was how we chose to handle it. Couple of more minutes here with head coach Matt Sawyer, the Toronto Rock, and and maybe Matt. Like uh, these are kind of never easy to to answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Is there an area of your team that you've been pleasantly surprised about, and maybe an area of your team that you've been a little disappointed about? And and I think you could maybe even equate that to a player or two that you've been pleased with or maybe one or two that you'd like a little more out of? Well, I'm not going to get into uh, specifics about uh, individual players. Uh, um, I had to try. I had to try. That's a great question, but you didn't get me to bite on that one. Um, It's, uh, you know, listen, you're uh, um, from week to week, you're always striving for uh, uh, consistency um, from individuals, individual players. And, and also from the team and and their units, be it the uh, the offense, defense, goaltending, special teams, whatever it is. And um, you know, I don't think there's any coaching staff or coach that's going to tell you they're completely uh, satisfied and and happy uh, all the time. And and if you are, um, you know, you might not be in a good spot because you always got to be trying to get better. So we've had our moments uh, individually as players throughout the season, and and also you know our offense or defense. Uh, uh, goaltending, you know, uh, we've all been real good at times, and and there's been some nights when uh, when they've left you uh, wanting a little more. Having said that, we feel as a staff that uh, you know we're in a good spot right now as a team. We feel that uh, you know we're, we're we're hoping that we're peaking at the right moment. We're slowly getting healthier. Um, it would be sure be nice to get Sheldon Burns and uh, and Brock Sorensen back. Something that. Uh, you know, we've dealt with uh, for a good uh, third of the season, those two and, and Adam and, um, you know, 11 and 6 is 
probably where we deserve to be under all those circumstances. We asked the fans ahead of time if they had any questions uh, for the coaches today, and here's one that popped up. I'll throw it your way. Yeah. It's a young guy that's a first-year coach. He's coaching novice and peewee, and he was asking, what's the best tip you can give him as a first-year coach coaching those, these youngsters? Well, um, you know, hopefully he's a, a coach that has a lot of uh, uh, practice time available to him at that young age. Um, you know, that is, uh, that's the most important thing is, is, um, you know, get on the floor and, and get the ball in their stick and, and work on your skills as much as, uh, as possible, because those kids are going to get more out of a 60 minute practice, um, than a 60 minute game, as far as the amount of time that they may have the ball in their stick or, or a goaltender be facing some shots or, or a defensive player, uh, you know, learning how to check or getting that opportunity. So the biggest tip would be to, Get them on the floor as much as you can. I know as uh, uh, kids, parents, and coaches, you get wrapped up and you want to play the games because you see an end result. Um, but the most important part of that age is get on the floor as much as you can in practice time. Yeah, and, and maybe have a little bit of fun to go along with it, right? Well, e- exactly. As I say, you know, you don't need to be working on your systems. Uh, get the ball out there, work on skills, get a ball on everybody's stick because, um, you know, the reality is you go and watch a novice game and, and there's some kids that might have the ball in their stick for a total of uh, 30 seconds or a minute throughout the whole game, right? So get everybody involved, get everybody active, and, and uh, like you said, having fun, but, um, you know, working on their skills. Yeah, skills we could, I mean, because if you're a guy like, uh, say, like a Troy Courtney, you're, you're trying to run power play plays uh, when these guys are coming out of mini-tech, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't speak for Troy, but uh, a lot of times you go watch uh, – um, my belief is a lot of minor coaches can get wrapped up in the end result, and uh, you know I think that's one of the reasons why uh, minor lacrosse put in the rules about uh, offense and defense because um, you know uh, kids were just getting pigeonholed at a young age yeah. and not getting an opportunity to do everything. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, while everybody wants to win, uh, the uh, um, at that age uh, work on the skills that's yeah. best for them, especially at that age. Uh, hey, Matt Sawyer, thanks for the time, man. Uh, glad we got a chance to catch up, and uh, best of luck with the Rock the rest of the year, and uh, see if you can add another banner there to to the Scotia Bank Center. Well, uh, thank you. We uh, well, we've got into playoffs, and now the uh, the goal is to win one game, and we'll worry about the banner later, but. Uh, um, Take, uh, uh, you guys take care, and thanks for having me on, and keep up the good work. Pleasure, pleasure. Matt Sawyer, head coach of the Toronto Rock. Uh, we will talk about those Toronto Rock coming up here. Uh, and who you got uh, coming up? I think Toronto's got a bye week, though, don't they? They do. Uh, anyways, we'll, we'll talk about the upcoming matchups in Week 19. How about that? When we return to Extreme Threads, Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Serving the business and sports community since 2018, Extreme Threads provides custom design apparels around the world. Specializing in lacrosse, they deliver exceptional quality and service, customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms. Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today. This is John Tavares, and you're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Star Podcast Network. 
Welcome back to Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified here on Lax All Stars. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you. Big thanks to Matt Sawyer for stopping by the podcast. And of course, the biggest thanks goes out to, well, it goes out to you, the listener. But the second biggest thanks goes out to our title sponsor, Extreme Threads. Customize your team with Extreme. I don't know if you follow along on their Instagram account or not, Evan. You better if you don't. At Extreme Threads, they are cranking out all sorts of cool uniforms. They got it all. T-shirts, practice pennies, jackets, gear bags, you name it. They got it. Whatever you need, give them a call or go to sales at extremethreads.ca. When you do, make sure you mention my name. Call me Jake, Jumbo, PXP for sports, whatever you want. Mention my name when you sign your team up for an apparel package, whatever that may be. Your coach and your manager, they get free stuff. So it works right here in Extreme But And it is nice stuff. Oh, like, I'm not saying this lightly. It is gorgeous. Man. You, if you have not checked it out, go to their website. Like This is the best of the best. It really is. Yeah, and they do you know teams over. Uh, I know they did a bunch of teams for the Alice Rebesky tournament coming up. Um, they go, they, they go crazy, like worldwide. Uh, they're international, Evan Schemenauer. All right, so we got to get into who you got now. Um, and you know the deal. It's ex- presented by Stampede Tech and Western Wear. They are your complete source for boots. Got those brand new Blundstones. Can't wait for fall. I'm not, gonna, I'm not a big boot guy in the summertime. I kind of like the, the flip-flops, the sandals in the summertime. But when fall rolls around, I'll be back in my Blundstones. You can guarantee that. You can get those in a huge selection of cowboy boots as well. They're all CSA approved. They ship Canada-wide in Cloverdale. Shop online. Stampy.ca. Rodeo just around the corner. Uh, always a lot of fun out there in Cloverdale. Um, anyways, who you got? You were in a lead by seven games here. There was five games this week. So, like I said, uh, I don't think it really matters who you pick. I think I'm just going to pick uh, with my head this week and, and try and make my record as respectable as it can be. And, hey, if I make a bit of a comeback during that time, so be it. And if I don't, well, say la vie. Game on Friday, and it's a big one right out of the gates here, Evan. 6-10 and 10, Colorado Mammoth still trying to punch that playoff ticket. They'll head to Pechanga and take on the Seals, who were reeling a little bit uh, with a few straight losses here. 9-7 and seven now for San Diego. Mammoth at the Seals. Evan, who you got? And injury problems for both sides, which could play in effect, in effect here, but it's the Eli McLaughlin injury that's bigger in this one here whether he plays or not we don't know but this Colorado offense has just completely sputtered San Diego if they score 10 they probably win this game so I'm taking the seals yeah a little more depth offensively there I think for San Diego than they gone they've just gone really young there in Colorado with Killen and Rue and Lee and I mean Vitarelli's a veteran over there but Wardle's still pretty young so they just they've gone really young there in Colorado and they struggled to score goals um what do I have written down? I have San Diego written down. See, I, I plugged my ears there until the very end, uh, so I didn't want to hear who you picked. But I took San Diego in that one as well. Fill it now. This uh, we go from a really important game to a game that maybe doesn't have a whole lot of significance here. Philadelphia into Georgia, three and fourteen. Something on the line here for Georgia. It's an important game for them. Twelve and five. Swarm wings at the swarm. Evan, who you got? Yeah, we'll get into that in a second, just how important this is for the Swarm. But the way Philly played this past weekend, like, 
it's it's it was an embarrassing. It was concerning. It was concerning and, that they just rolled over in the first quarter like that. Yeah, and, and in the fourth quarter of the game before, um, there's no way you can possibly take Philly going to Georgia the way they're playing right now. It's an easy pick. It's a swarm. Agreed. Let's move on. Two five and eleven teams going head to head here. Vancouver with a long trip, and I've done this trip. It's a long one. To Rochester, New York, five and eleven Warriors, five and eleven Nighthawks. Evan, who you got? Um, the travel's a concern. Plus, Rochester has been playing extremely well for a team that's out of it. They're playing extremely well. I'm taking the Nighthawks. I just think they're the better team right now. I think that, too. This is kind of a boring here you got, but it is what it is. I'm taking Rochester as well, all for the same reasons that you just listed, Evan. Next game up is New England at Buffalo. 8-8 eight and eight Black Wolves, 12-4 and four Bandits in Banditland. Evan, Steve Bermel will get the call on color to go along with their buddy John Gertler for this one. Evan, Black Wolves, Bandits, who you got? Once again, the East record for those four teams in the playoffs at home is 28-6. and six. On top of the fact that this game is irrelevant to New England, they're locked into their playoff spot. Buffalo, if they win two in a row, they get that first spot. Bandits have something to play for, and New England doesn't. I'm taking the Bandits. Oh, my goodness. I'm taking the Bandits as well. Uh <laughs> I told you, I'm just going to pick who I think is going to win. That's what I'm doing. So I'm not going to go against that now. One more game to go. Saskatchewan and Calgary with a season series on the line here, Evan. This is a really intriguing game here. 10-6 and six, Saskatchewan, 9-8 and eight, Calgary. Calgary playing very, very good lacrosse right now. But so are the Rush, which makes this game pretty tough to pick, Evan. you got to do it first. Evan and Schemenauer, who you got? It's a tough one, and I think the last time these guys played in Calgary, it was an overtime win for the Rush, so it's it's not an easy pick. But I'm going to take the Rush, so two wins this week. Just tell me if they turn that corner, that's the championship team that we've seen from the Rush, so I'm going to take them in this game. I am going to take the Rush as well. It would not surprise me, though, really. It really wouldn't if Calgary wins this game. I hope they don't, because I'm picking the Rush. But it would not surprise me if they do. Um, so with just a couple of... That's Sampy Tax. We want to recap that one more time because we have the same picks in every single game here, Evan. Should be pretty straightforward. But Colorado at San Diego, we both took the Seals. Philly at Georgia, we both got the Swarm. Vancouver at Rochester, we're both taking the Nighthawks. Black Wolves and Bandits, we're both taking Buffalo. Saskatchewan at Calgary, we both got the rush. Now, Stampede Tax, who you got? Uh, a couple more minutes to go here on episode number 23. Uh, League Awards, uh, got to start thinking about those, Evan, with just a couple of weeks to go in the regular season. We're not going to go through them all now, but uh, start getting that on the mind a little bit because uh, we're just a, a couple of weeks away from the end of the season here. Uh, I want to send out a quick thank you here to Rush Nation. I know it was Fan Appreciation Night on, on Saturday night, and it was a great time at Sastel Center. But I just continue when I'm in and around Saskatchewan, walking around the arena or at the hotel or whatever. I just I continually get people coming up and welcoming me to the Rush and saying thank you for the job that I do. And, and uh, like I... I always get a little weird when I get compliments, but I just like I wanna I just wanna give my thanks back to Rush Nation. How 
welcoming they've been to me and and uh what a great season it's been with my first year with Saskatchewan and and that goes to the you know the ownership the management the coaches the players the fans um the people of Saskatoon everybody has just been ultra fabulous to me and and I'm so happy to to be a part of things there in Saskatchewan so I just want to you know while that the hashtag was going out and around uh thank you Rush Nation I want to Thank Rush Nation. Broadcast news. Uh, the crews have been picked for the finals. I am quite happy uh, for a couple of good buddies of mine. Brandon Shannon. Not Brandon Shannon. <laughs> Brian Shannon. Uh, Brandon's brother. And Brendan Glasheen uh, will be calling the finals from the east, wherever they happen to be, along with uh, Miss Ashley Docking between the benches for the games in the East as far as the NLL finals go. And in the West, uh, a couple of guys very deserving of an opportunity here. In my former partner in Vancouver, Brad Challoner, uh, will get the call on color. And the Colorado Mammoth play-by-play man won... Teddy Edward Jenner will be your play-by-play voice for the game in the West, and it'll just be one single game in the West here because the East is going to have home floor in the NLL Finals. I think that's uh, pretty not much... necessarily. Well, I think it's it's pretty much a far-going conclusion. Not not in stone yet, but uh, I got a I got a pretty good feeling that's going to be an Eastern home floor advantage in the finals. Uh, so congratulations to, to everybody. Oh, Ashley Docking will also be between the benches when the game is in the West as well. So congratulations to those five fine folks. Uh, much deserved, and, and they're all going to do a great job. Uh, playoff scenarios, Evan Sheminar, you got some juicy ones for us uh, before we get you on your way here? Yeah, so the East is... Uh... Not as simple, actually, as the West has now become very simple. New England is locked into the fourth spot in the East. For Toronto, they're probably locked into the third. What they need to get into second is they need to win their final game and for Buffalo to lose both. It's going to be tough, uh, but they can't get first. They couldn't move up to second. For Buffalo and Georgia, they're both on 12 wins, and Georgia has the tie break, but Buffalo has one extra game. So Buffalo, if they win both their games, or if they win one and Georgia loses, Buffalo is first. But in fact, if Buffalo loses both and Toronto wins, Buffalo can fall as far as third, but Georgia cannot go beyond second. That's the way that one stands. In the West, uh, Colorado, Vancouver, both can't do any better than fourth. Of course, Vancouver has to win out. Colorado has to lose out because Colorado has the tie break between the two of them. At the top, you got the rush at 10-6. and six. San Diego nine and seven, Calgary eight and eight. Now the Rush have a tie break on the Seals. The Seals have a tie break on the Roughnecks. If it if it happens to go that way, the Roughnecks would have the tie break on the Rush uh, if they were tied. And in a three way tie, it's the Rush Seals Roughnecks. So that kind of simplifies things. The Rush need one win in their last two games to finish first. Um, and they can even still finish first, even if they lose the last two games in San Diego splits. So that's there's a lot of probabilities, and that's why I say 88% that the rush finish because of the 16 possibilities, 14 of them fall to the rush in first. For the Seals, they're probably locked in the second. They can win the West if they win both of their remaining games in Saskatchewan loses both. It's probably not going to happen. But they can actually slip the third if they lose both games and Calgary beats Saskatchewan. Any other possibility there in second. And for the Roughnecks, 
They have to win this game to avoid third this week, but they can still finish third. They can actually finish first if both Saskatchewan and San Diego lose every game. Um, there's a few ways for them to get second still, uh, but it involves either the Seals losing both or the Rush losing both. Calgary's probably in the three spot, but it is still not entirely over yet. Um, the great thing about podcasts is that you can pause it, you can fast forward it, you can rewind it. Um, and I'm probably going to have to do that just to go <laughs> for all those playoff scenarios well, again. I don't know how you keep all that straight, can, Evan. I really don't. You you can go onto my Twitter account, there you and go. it's all listed there. So it's okay, much that means, to well, I'm encouraging people to re-listen to the podcast, and you're sending them to your Twitter account. I, uh, something's wrong with that message there, Evan. But uh, anyways, nicely done on the playoff scenarios. Uh, you sent me actually, you sent me an email, and they're like easy math, and then listed <laughs> all these scenarios. I was like, yeah, easy math for a, a chartered account, uh, not for a you know washed up jock broadcaster so anyways i let smarter people than myself figure all those scenarios out you did a fine job of that one more thing before we get you on your way here uh on lacrosse classified jamie monroe my uh, my good buddy jamie monroe former coach at denver and um host of the philosophy prod or lacrosse podcast uh check that out also does like a virtual lacrosse summit uh does lots of video training and all that sort of stuff apparently Darius kilgore was supposed to be his guest uh this week and he bailed out so he's asked me to do it so i'm going to be on the virtual lacrosse summit with jamie monroe uh check him out at jm3 coach at twitter as well and uh i'll look forward to that so uh i'll be posting that up so check that out we're gonna like Look at highlights, I believe, from the Bandit Swarm game and kind of break down some box across together uh, over a video chat. I've never done anything like that before, but I'm looking forward to it with my man, Jamie Monroe. All right, there's episode 23 in the books. Um, once again, our sponsors, make sure you are supporting those guys because they support us, which supports the show it all ties in nicely. So anytime you need uh, some gear for your lacrosse team or you need a package or a label or you need some supplements or some country gear, check out our sponsors, Pure Vital Labs, Associated Labels and Packaging, Extreme Threads, and Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Big thanks to Matt Sawyer and Derek Keenan for coming on the podcast and to you, of course, the loyal listener for listening to Lacrosse Classified each and every week right here on Wax. All stars. Uh, that's gonna do it. For, oh no! Don't forget subscribe to the podcast. We've got to make sure we get that in. Evan, you can find us on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, and social media as well. At Shemlax, at PXP for sports. The show is at Lax Class for Evan Shemnar, Ben Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator. Thanks for listening to Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All Stars Podcast Network. <laughs>